All right. Well, I feel like we need to dive in because the docket is fat. This let's week. like let's not dive too deep into all of them. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And and really, there's some that warrant more discussion than others. I I have watched eight films since last time oh we spoke, and that's with not watching nothing new in the last week. Wow. Now, but there's a couple that I can probably just. Did you see Hunter Hunter? Yes. Oh, you did because that mm-hmm. one. All right. I didn't want to talk about it unless we had both seen it. Yeah, I saw uh, it. You did not express much interest in personal history of David Copperfield. Oh, I didn't watch that. I should have. If you'd like to, we can save it for another week. Yeah, let's I think save it. I would like to watch. watch. Yes, I totally forgot, and I meant to. And I anyway, I would put it in. Not, I'm not necessarily talking about quality or like respect. I'm just saying it goes in that category with Emma and Little Women as a very big swing modern retake on a you know classic property i'm not saying i'm not saying it belongs necessarily in that tier i'm just saying it has that kind of energy so um anyway yeah i'd be happy to i'd be interested to hear what you have to say okay so that takes me down to seven titles (laughs) uh yeah where do i guess chronologically pieces of a woman is the is the first one that uh we've got you want to introduce that for us sure pieces of a woman it's 2020 film that I'm currently bringing up on my browser. I don't remember any of these. It's like it's such a fog. I know. So it stars Vanessa Kirby, who I recently have come to enjoy because I started The Crown late, and oh. she plays Margaret in the first mm-hmm. two seasons of The Crown. But also Shia LaBeouf and um, Ellen Burstyn. We got a Safdie in there, Benny, which is a great, great little find. Yeah. And so the the long and short of it is that this couple is going to have a baby and the baby dies soon after birth and the midwife is charged with being incompetent perhaps and Vanessa Kirby's character who I need to like look down to the cast list to remember the name Martha, Martha. um deals with the grief in one way and her husband boyfriend Sean deals with the grief in an entirely different way and we start to see their relationships flaws and it's unraveling ellen burston plays martha's mother elizabeth who sometimes it seems like she's a little too involved and a little pushy in what she thinks the couple should be up to but as more and more is revealed um, we get the sense that she is pretty wise about what's going on and that she wants what's best and to me, this is just a, a big picture look at grief and what do we make of it? And do we take it to a negative place or do we um, try to incorporate it into our life ongoing and and bring whatever positive out of this horrible tragedy that can't be changed? Um, there's a lot I liked about this movie. But before we get into all that, um, what did you think, Josh? Yeah, I loved this movie. I have two, uh, at least two, two or three, uh, three solid four stars uh, in this tonight's lineup. Hmm. And this is this is the first. Uh, I thought this was excellent in uh, conception, in writing, in uh, performance, in directing. I just thought it was beautiful and uh, had a nice naturalistic style to it. And um, the characters are... Uh, it's such a dumb reductive thing to say they're real. They're not real. Mm -hmm. They're very well-written movie characters, but they have a, a realness to them. They have, they feel real. They feel like human beings with motivations. Um, all of them too. They, and they, they're all so well realized from the couple themselves to Ellen Burstyn's character, Elizabeth. Um, and even, even the more silly side characters like, like Benny Safdie's Chris, Mm -hmm. Uh, I just, I don't know this, there's, it's a very horrible thing to look at head on what this movie's about Mm -hmm. and it's not, it doesn't pull many punches. It is a little more affirming and beautiful in its, in its resolution than I expected, but overall it's very intense, but I I don't know. I wasn't, I I found it less challenging and more just uh, engrossing. I really, really had a, a great time with this one. I agree. The opening scene, which I believe that's all one take, right? 
or it's meant yeah, to look like one take. One yeah, we're, we're watching this childbirth happening in real time. And something I loved about this is the way that the couple is presented. You're seeing them in this um, upper class home and they seem so happy and in love and supportive of one another. And there's a small problem that the midwife that they expected to be there is otherwise engaged. She sends someone else who appears to be just great. And I understand from my own experience um, when we had our son of hoping to be able to do things in a completely natural way. But then there are just th- those those medical gray areas where like, well, how much time has passed? Um, how but does the heartbeat sound? Is that strong enough or not quite strong? And and you and you start to feel that dread that something is going wrong, but maybe it's all okay because nature is complex and the baby finds its way, you know. And I think that the movie did a great job. Um, my point in all of this is that since one of the major plot elements is what's going to happen to this midwife. They they left it pretty pretty gray as to whether or not this was her fault. You know, she yeah. she seemed like she might have been completely competent, and things just did not work out. Uh, she didn't seem to me like she did something wrong. But you look at the things that she knew, and and she didn't insist right. that they change things. Um, and I love the scene at the end, even though it was ridiculous that Vanessa mm-hmm. Kirby stormed into that courtroom and just addressed right. the court. The content of what she had to say to me was pretty affirming of what are we going to do with this tragedy is the whole reason why this baby was born to be why someone else goes to prison. (laughs) Was that the whole reason? Whereas her husband seems to be going in the direction of wanting, you know, supposed justice or vengeance. And you see the struggles that they've clearly both had with addiction. And we start to see that, oh, the reason they're living as they do and that they're able to function as well as they appear to be functioning in that first scene is because of her mother's money. Mm-hmm. And 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 this couple has a lot of problems and was maybe counting on this baby to fix them, perhaps. Yeah. And when that not only doesn't materialize, but in fact, they have an extra um, wallop of this of this grief when the child dies it it calls into question their whole relationship and both of their abilities to cope. The scene where um, Ellen Burstyn seems to be so cruel to um, to Sean, actually, I'm kind of like, Ugh, maybe she knew what was best, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe maybe she's not a mean old mother, but she she is fixing something, and she is and she's offering the repair that she can offer. Yeah. So that both um, Martha and Sean can move forward in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree that it's wise of the movie not to focus on the court battle. As right. This is a movie about two sides of a case and what's going to happen. That really, like, you only see the midwife in two scenes. In the mm-hmm. opening, long, drawn out, upsetting scene. And then in a courtroom scene. Uh, which is you know divided up into a couple sequences but um that because it's so much it's it's not really about that and it is about no. the internal life of these characters and yeah it does get a little it, it got a little more poetic at the end and less real feeling but still beautiful because the way that it kind of i don't know the way that it it uh, expresses its where it lands on this, on the, on the grief. It doesn't tie everything up in a neat bow. It's not cheap. It just takes you to a place uh, where that is very real, but satisfying. Um, Yeah, this is, this is great. This might be my favorite of the whole list tonight, although there's Mm. some, some, some good stuff coming up. I thought it was interesting that this was inspired by a play. It doesn't say that it's really adapted. Mm -hmm. It says like based on, because it does not feel like a filmed play at all. I couldn't imagine what I was watching happening on stage. Yeah. Throughout. It would it have uses, been a very different play. It uses location really strategically and artistically. Mm-hmm. It's an important part of the movie is where she goes and what, you know, what it looks and, like. And to me, the whole childbirth sequence is crucial. Yeah. It's the foundation that the whole thing is built on. Right. And I don't know that you could do that on stage effectively 
because when you're following with a camera, you can be lyrical and you can show what you want to show and have it be beautiful on a, on a stage. Everything is just in one dimension and set. And I, I feel like you'd even get laughs trying to have a, a live childbirth scene right, on a stage. Right. Um, it would be very, very difficult to build the, the emotional foundation and to build the initial dread that the rest takes off from on a stage. So I wonder how they did that. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Shia LaBeouf is, is, I know he's, uh, you know, on the outs right now, and I don't really, I'm not really a fan of oh him as a person. Oh my gosh. But uh, his performance is right for this material, for sure. Uh, he really um, embodies a specific, because he's not just an asshole addict dude. I don't know, there's something very, again, real about the way that his character uh, is rendered, and I know that's in the writing as much as the performance. But um, I was impressed. Why don't we like him now? What happened? What was revealed? Oh, he's just an abusive partner to his uh, lady friends and yeah. his wife of of a while. And uh, I mean, and if, you know, if you've seen Honey Boy, you know where that comes from, right? See, I think that he does incredible work here. I liked him a lot. I felt like, it, like, to, like you say, it's so dumb to say that a character is real, but I know someone who like looks and inflects and is so much like this person. I was like, I know this person. It's fully realized, and you know, he's a asshole and he's hot too, and we have to hold those two things together. Sure, we all have to confront that at some point. Uh, yeah, again, I'm thinking of how the movie uses location, even as a framing device. That kind of you know, if it's mm-hmm. a month of the year up over the same shot of a bridge. Right. This is not, it's supposed to be Boston. It doesn't look anything like Boston. I think mm. it's Vancouver or something. But uh, yeah, there's such a sense of place um, that seems integral to the material. But uh, we cannot afford to spend this much time on every title that we have. <laughs> no, but I, I find it interesting. <laughs> I, the um, The cousin who was the prosecutor in the case, mm-hmm. I wonder how yeah. frequent, I wonder how frequent that is. That almost seems not like a conflict of interest, I guess, but that you'd right. want to be that close to your family's personal drama by representing it in court. Right. And then you're having an affair with the father. What is happening? Like all these professional right. and personal boundaries breached. And how many movies would play that up? Like it was, you had to almost be like, wait, what's happening? Like it was so matter of fact. Right. They, they respect the audience's intelligence that they don't explain everything that you're seeing, not by a long yeah. shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it's another one of these movies that feels like it must be. I don't think it's rooted necessarily in a personal true story, but in at least personal truths of the mm-hmm. writer. And uh, boy, that just makes all the difference in right in in a work like this. All right. Um, well, is that it? I mean, that's obviously highly recommended. We, it need, yeah, it needs to be it. It needs to be a highly yeah. recommended. We move on. I have Hunter Hunter next. Do you want me to? Yeah to take us there all right mm-hmm. um i let's see this was recommended on i think a youtube show that i was watching as an overlooked genre uh gem of 2020 this is a 2020 horror thriller film directed and written by sean linden and it stars camille sullivan as Anne and divan sawa as uh Mersault, I guess is his name. And they play a couple who are, uh, I guess they're survivalists or outdoors people. And they have a, a teenage daughter named Renee, played by Summer H. Howell. And they live in a cabin. They hunt for their own food. They live off the grid. They do not participate in society. And the movie starts as kind of a, a portrait of their life, of the, uh, the dangers they face as they discover there is a wolf in the in the forest and uh yeah things from there go in some very a a, a series of surprising directions and eventually the injured nick stall as lou ends up uh in their care uh of the of the care of the ladies while the dad mersault is out hunting the wolf and things get incredibly bonkers I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but we're going to have to talk about some things. Um, this is a very kind of, you know, sparse and spare uh, 
horror movie, very few characters. There's a couple of like park ranger types who get pulled into the action. Uh, and they are played by, I don't know. They're not in front. Is it Gabriel Daniels and Lauren Cochran, I believe? I would guess so, because they're the next yeah, next most important names. Right. And uh, here's my thing, Dan. I'll, I'll start talking about this as a movie now. I was really intrigued by the setup. I was immediately interested in what was happening to the characters. I thought it was, well, I like the way it was filmed. I like the, 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 the way the characters related to each other and, and uh, I wanted to see what happened next. And by the end, I hated it. That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I get kind of what it was, what it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was disappointed in the ending too. So I don't know how we want to. Uh, we'll just talk about it. Yeah. I mean, we're listening. Movies, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think we can afford to admit to ourselves what we saw uh, in this movie. Um, yeah. So. In the end, the wolf turns out not to be while the, while Mersault is hunting the wolf, he comes upon a scene of of grisly murder, a bunch of uh, rotting naked women, and apparently a serial killer has been operating in the woods. And uh, of course, the movie is kind of clever the way that Nick Stahl is introduced you know, it, to, as a, a victim of the wolf. And the ladies are taking care of him. But, I mean, you can kind of guess right away that he is the serial killer. And so uh, everything spirals out of control. And I honestly thought that the wolf would play into the ending. I thought that the wolf would either ironically save them, take Mm -hmm. out the killer, or something would happen. I didn't necessarily want a happy ending. I just thought that somehow thematically those things would, would come around uh it doesn't you see the wolf a couple times and and then the second half of the movie you don't see the wolf anymore and it's the it's the girls against the killer i don't know we'll get we'll get to the ending dan but why don't you tell, talk to me about uh your overall feelings about yeah I, I i found this to be pretty captivating throughout until the end actually i i didn't expect i just kind of turned it on i didn't know what to expect I found myself not being distracted by other things and wanting to keep my eyes on the action because mm-hmm. I was enjoying what I was watching and I was interested to see what would happen. I think that uh, they presented the wolf as truly menacing because the everyone was just chilled at the idea that the wolf was back and that meant something to them we didn't understand yet. When they actually encountered the wolf, that wolf seemed plenty scary. I, I wouldn't want to meet him. He seems like yeah. he could be pretty bad. And But then there was so much that went unexplained that... I that I was just w- really wishing they'd spe- spell it out more because um, Anne wants to move into town. She wants to give up this life. Right. And we find out later when she tries to get help from the park rangers that really nobody's supposed to be living there. Even if this is her husband's family's historic homestead, it is now looks like it's public land. You, you can't be living there off the land. Um, this is wild, but they're continuing to do this. And when Joseph comes upon the scene, he finds what is his plan? Why wouldn't yeah. he return and tell her what he's found or seek outside help? Did he think he was going to stand and wait for whoever did this to come back so that he could kill them? That that isn't really clear what, what his game plan was. And to me, this is like classic Little Red Riding Hood. Don't trust who you meet in the woods mm-hmm. when wolves are about. Clearly, this person who they find is up to no good, especially having seen everything else that was going on. And you bring him into your house and it's not safe. And he strangely feels like he doesn't want to go into town for help. All of these things are red flags that they're just kind of ignoring. And when we look at the climax of this movie, where Anne gets her revenge on Lou, yeah, I'm thinking... What is this based on? We know that Joseph is dead and she blames Lou, I guess, though she doesn't know. And if if the huge stake was whether or not Renee was going to be okay, we don't even get a moment where we see what happens to her, right? Right. I mean, it's... It's, it's implied, yeah. heavily implied. implied. Yeah. But we don't get to see that moment that would lead to Anne's break that would... Right motivate i mean I, i'm not sure what would have motivated what she ended up doing i i, I really hated it yeah. because in the end i thought what is the point here 
Why was the story told? What are we supposed to applaud what she did? Did she do the right thing? Because now she seems like the psycho. This is like a Sweeney Todd ending where the police run in just on this grisly scene of everyone having been slaughtered and she's the one holding the knife. She'll be held responsible for this. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't feel like her. I was baffled by it uh, because it didn't feel like a journey that her character was on. No, no. This wasn't what she needed to confront and resolve in her life right no final girl energy where you can feel like when she's sitting on the front covered in blood that she's finished her work you know no ready or not you know pan away laughing where you can feel some sort of satisfaction instead i felt despair right at that ending so we're dancing a major spoiler maybe skip 30 seconds if you don't want to know specifically but she skins nick stall alive in you know which is something she, you know her daughter taught her to do i guess that's supposed to be poignant but that's the other thing she doesn't ha- she's the one who's tepid about all these survival skills mm-hmm. so i guess in the writing that's supposed to be the the big payoff of the movie is that the one who is the least uh comfortable in the life of survival the daughter's very into it and wants to please the dad and this is his choice of lifestyle. The mom is the one who's a little tepid and wants to move maybe back into society. She ends up being the one to take out the killer, but it wasn't laid out poetically or there's no trajectory of that, that I could read in the movie. And she wasn't put through any grueling. It was all of a sudden, right? One, it was one all day, of the sudden. Yeah. I, I like, I was enjoying the plot line with the two park rangers I mm-hmm. thought that they're smart and they are figuring this out. And right. I liked watching them and I was really hoping they would figure it out. And mm-hmm. then when the one, uh, when the guy was trapped and, you know, he has that setback. I liked that his partner realizes that something's wrong and she goes looking and she's going to find him and it's going to be yeah. okay, you know, and they're going to be able to save these, the women from this person who they don't realize is a threat and I sort of wished that the plot trajectory would have stayed there mm-hmm. rather than going in this other random direction. To me, yeah. it came out of nowhere. Uh, yep. It's like they wanted to get to a place where someone could skin someone alive. And so let's tell an unrelated story and then hack this on to the end. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, like, I'm not against seeing a movie where that's the payoff. <laughs> we, we watched. No. Um, what was that insane movie with the girl who chop people up and we've, we've seen a lot like that but you know what yeah, i mean the one way more specific. the one where she was like this misfit teenager oh yeah the one where she's just so disgusting what was that called yeah what was yeah, that yeah. called i'm not saying this was even a great movie but it it, it definitely earned its grisliness more than than this movie did yeah well and this the, the part of it was such a disappointment because of everything that had led up to it to me it was really right. good filmmaking it was good acting i was intrigued i liked the storytelling i liked the imagery you're right what did they do with the wolf yeah they the wolf should have come back they needed to explain what the dad thought he was going to do hanging yeah. out at that murder place yeah uh, and just a, a detail that annoyed me was the the kind of um the uh whatever p- the detail of people listening to the head the headphones nick stall when he's doing his killer stuff puts on a walkman an old tattered sony walkman and listens to loud music First of all, that just makes you so vulnerable. I don't think that anybody would do that right. while they were performing that. And then for her, uh, Anne does that at the end. She takes it and she listens to it as she's hacking him up. I just didn't know why she was doing it. it but just, why? It, it felt like a like a bunch of vision board things that were unrelated that were never tied together and were just kind of arbitrary. Yeah, it was disappointing because I really, really did enjoy the first hour or so of the movie. I dare say the wolf won. Because now all the people are out of the forest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Regarding the dad's motivations, my assumption, it's not in the text of the movie, but my assumption for why he didn't immediately go for help or tell his wife or anything is because he's already thinking, oh, she'll now she'll definitely want to move. If I tell her that there's a serial killer out here, 
Um, <laughs> but that doesn't yeah. worry him. That doesn't worry him about his wife and daughter's safety. That right. someone who's killing women is out is lurking close by. I know. He yeah. doesn't think of returning to them to make yeah. sure they're okay. And he's just so unceremoniously yeah. offed. Like, yeah, there's so much un. And maybe that's maybe this writer director likes that. Maybe he he enjoys the fact that he doesn't that he kind of withholds resolution on things. But you'd have to use it in a way that uh, I don't know. If that were the only thing, I could go there Mm. and say we don't need every answer. But there were just so many things that weren't answered. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't like it. I mean... Oh, I did. I did. (laughs) Yeah. And it wasn't about Hunter Biden. No. Editor Hunter S. Thompson. Right. Their unlikely friendship. (laughs) All right, Sound of Metal. I know you... Uh... Oh, yeah. I really like Sound of Metal. Let me type it with one hand because I'm holding a microphone. Sound of Metal. I really like... I like. I prefer Wikipedia listings to IMDb. Oh. So sometimes they come up first and sometimes I got to scroll right, way down. Yeah. Anyway, it's a film directed and co-written by Darius Martyr and starring Riz Ahmed. Olivia Cook, Paul Racy. And what's going on here is that Riz Ahmed plays Ruben, who's what, a heavy metal rock and roll drummer. And without much fanfare, and I appreciate that they didn't spend too much time on his decline, he realizes he can't hear. And his his hearing is getting worse and worse. And one of the masterful strokes of the movie was was this sound mixing. Because I, I could, I could feel that. I could hear that. That that awful feeling, like when your ears are plugged or when there's some obstruction, and like what it sounds like inside your head, is what yeah. we're hearing. Like what he's hearing is what we're hearing in the most frustrating way. So when he goes to the doctor to try to get tested, with the, just the way he can't hear the doctor and he can't communicate and he's panicking and falling apart. Um, to me, it was very, uh, very, very relatable. I felt, I felt his pain in that moment. And um, his girlfriend, Lou, played by Olivia Cook, is concerned, obviously. And so she get because they are both uh, recovering addicts, and she is concerned that losing his hearing as a musician is going to lead to a relapse. And so she's on this, and she finds a place where he can go live in community with people who don't hear and who are also um, in recovery. And this is a house. uh, Where were they? In Missouri somewhere? I don't know. But they were set up with Joe, played by, do you say Paul Racy? Is that how you say his last name? I believe so, yeah. Okay. And he plays um, a person who who, uh, can't hear and works with this group. And at first, um, Ruben is reticent to be able to, 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 whether or not he's going to stay, he decides he's going to stay. And he ends up, being on this journey of kind of selling everything that he has in order to get an operation that will allow him to hear through implant in a very different sort of a way. And I thought it was really a really an interesting examination of whether or not that's a good path because the people at the house, they go on the premise that um, deafness isn't a disability. We, we just live and communicate in a different way. And we're not striving to have surgery or to to repair hearing or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so the movie is Ruben coming to terms with how can he live? How can he find serenity in a life that is going to be a lot different than he intended for himself? Um, what do you think of this? Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. By the way, you, your use of the word serenity just reminded me that it has been a year since we saw the movie Serenity. Or was that <laughs> two years? I just saw it in some of my memories on Time Hop. Uh, oh, you, you know you know what I just realized has been a year? Um, Replicants, is that the title? Oh, yeah. I never caught up with that okay, one. Okay. L- please watch Replicants okay. when you get okay. a chance. Yeah, I've heard a lot Because now it's it. like back, it's up somewhere on Prime or Hulu. It's like okay. suggested yeah. for me. And I would, it's so dumb and bad. And I would love your thoughts about it. We're going to see if it holds up. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I had some line that isn't going to work. Go on. Okay. All right. So yes, this movie is wonderful. 
and amazing and uh it's a great empathy movie it's a great uh discovery movie so in my family my sister-in-law uh is deaf and she had a daughter who's deaf which is actually a very rare thing but so there's two two deaf from birth people in the same family Mm. and they are staunchly opposed to the idea of cochlear implants Mm. uh again they, they take that approach that you know deafness is a condition of who you are um and uh but of course they're they're both approaching it from a a perspective of someone who has been deaf their whole life so they're Mm -hmm. very you know they're educated in a deaf environment and and all that stuff so uh this movie being about someone and I, i i love the fact that it's about a a heavy metal drummer an addict recovering addict he's he's impatient he's immature uh, so his immediate reaction is simply, okay, what do I, how do I fix? Mm-hmm. He, he, he goes right. He deals with it like an addict, right? What do I have to do to put the cap back on this, to satisfy everybody enough so that I can go back to what I do and not have to change or grow or confront anything. And so I, I really love the fact that the arc of the movie is not just him growing and learning how to deal with this as a, as a disability, but then to make, you know, a very big decision about his life, uh, that's not, it, you know, you, I still, as someone who's completely able-bodied, I mean, except that I'm fat and old, watching this movie and wanting him to be okay and get his, you know, I wanted him to get mm-hmm. his hearing back. Yeah. And then to say like, no, like this is it, just as much as trying to get me to accept who he is now. And it's double frustrating because this is not who he's always been and he's now come to terms with it. This was, you know, maybe it doesn't go into the question of whether or not he, you know, you assume he's a heavy metal drummer. He may have contributed to his own hearing loss. Right. Right. I love that they didn't take a lot of time on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I really appreciated the position the movie puts the character in and thereby put me in as the viewer. Uh, Yes. I, I, I so appreciated that about this movie because it brings up an issue that for me as a hearing person, I wouldn't think about. And I wanted him to stop and think throughout. I just kind of like, I kind of don't care what, what outcome you or what decision you make, but stop for a second, take a pause, reflect for days and weeks, and then make these huge decisions about your life. Because while he's at the community, he learns to sign pretty competently. He is involved with uh, deaf school children and he is able to connect with them and their teacher. And he starts to carve out a path for himself mm-hmm. where he could be supported. He could have a place. He, he, he doesn't need to worry. Uh, he could live as a non-hearing person and survive. And yet his whole focus is how can I get out of here? And I mean, it's almost like a, like a fable, how he thing by thing sells everything he has to be able to get the surgery that he believes will be his answer. And then again, the wonderful mixing that tries to get us in his head of what exactly it sounds like to, you know, quote here with these implants. And it's so overwhelming. And like, I I just wanted to rip it out of his head. It was, it was so upsetting to listen to everything that he's listening to going about his day and how frustrating that you're hearing all of this background and static and you still can't hear what someone right next to you is saying because of it. And there's just no peace. And, and the idea that he's also an addict and he's also looking for his serenity and being able to just be and be okay with who he is in that moment and, and be okay with who he is in the universe and with God and that there's none of that in in his um aspiring to to work with these implants and i loved the ending you know mm-hmm. <laughs> where where he he, he finds a, a, a bit of peace and it yeah. feels like such a relief um for us as the audience to hear that silence yeah yeah very beautiful and anybody who's had an addict of any kind in their family or you know friends will recognize the kind of patterns of resistance and fighting and then the kind of suspiciously uh successful performance of mm-hmm. you know adulthood or adapting of no look at the check me i'm doing it yeah it's happening and just enough to get you 
uh, to get off their back. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, because uh, as a movie watcher, I wanted to think that he really was content and happy and had discovered a new life in the community. But I knew that wasn't couldn't be the case. Like that wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to think that he goes back and right. the movie nicely ends without giving us a wrap up. Um, or he could go somewhere else, but I, I believe he will embrace a life as a deaf person. That's what it appeared to be. And cause he was already swimming upstream, <laughs> even yeah. with his own choices and to let go is such an important thing. Yeah. And I love, and I loved that the, um, community kind of held to their standards of what's important to them, that they weren't willing to budge on this on this choice that he'd made. Um, not that I don't think yeah. they wouldn't have completely had him back mm-hmm. um, once he changed his mind. Right, right. Yeah, it's an excellent movie. Riz Ahmed is is uh, oh. ex- excellent actor. Um, to play such an unglamorous part and such a you know. A, troubled person but to still be so uh lovable magnetic and and you know relatable i don't know i thought he was fantastic Mm -hmm. um yeah highly recommend uh tenets next can this one be quick (laughs) unlike (laughs) well i feel like we don't need to talk too much about tenet because i mean it Everyone kind of knows what's going on with this thing. Here's this right. movie that was supposed to be the big blockbuster and then guys push back, push back, push back. And now here we can get it finally for you know, $5.99 on Amazon right. or whatever. Yeah. And wh- who, who we've got in this cast? John David Washington. Always loved to see him. You know, um, yeah. Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki. Uh, who knows what's going on here from... Right. From morning to uh-huh. night, from beginning to end, I have no clue what I watched. That's yeah. okay. It's not, I mean, it's very well made. I was like, oh, explosions, actions, running, escape. I was interested as I watched it. I wasn't like so incredulous, but I just knew that I was going to need to let everything flow over me like rain because there was no sense to be made of the premise of this movie. Mm-hmm. Basically, we've got opposing timelines and the past can come back at you even though you're coming back from the future so a bullet goes back into the gun and you know cars go backwards and uh, i'm no big surprise at all that when you have to wrestle a masked figure early in the movie it's gonna be you later you know no big spoiler there Mm -hmm. and the and it's here's here's how i think this could have been better i think this could have been better had they cut like the dragnet thriller speak because that was so overwhelming. Just Mm -hmm. the back, just, just say what you need to say and don't just speak in riddles to one another. That's maddening. I'm tired of, they could have cut a half hour off this very long running time. If only the characters had spoken more plainly one to another, there's no, no way that the characters in this movie understood a, Thing of what was happening to them in the moment right. let no. alone the audience and there was no sense as much as i really like john david washington there was no sense in his performance that he ever understood what was no. going on. his no. character by the way named protagonist yes the pretentiousness is what gets me it i like christopher nolan sometimes i like inception i like memento yeah. i like his concepts they're you know they're overwrought and i think it, Inception was like the height of he's got a budget and now he can do crazy stuff and build this movie world out of this concept. Uh, I liked it better when it was smaller. Uh, This concept, for me, this is a Benjamin Button where I fundamentally get the, the, the hook, but it doesn't work. Like, that's not how life works. So I can't possibly, how can I possibly put my mind and, and heart into the story and see what it would feel like. I, that's imp- I can't, it's not possible. Right. And meanwhile, by the way, we've got this villain who, if he can't have the world, the universe, then no one can. So if he doesn't get his way, he sees fit to destroy the planet, if not the universe. And they've got to stop that. That's so ridiculous. And then his wife is so self-centered that she only cares about what this means for her and her son. Right. And I was like, oh, every living organism in the entire universe will be destroyed. And she's like, including my son. Like, yep. Uh-huh. Including your son. 
That's right. But you know, may, maybe most people would think that that's a bigger pro that their that their son's death in the apocalypse is is a small thing compared to the apocalypse itself. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's the small human moments would have benefited this movie, and uh, they're not the strength of this script, though. And she's not presented as a ridiculous character. Yeah. Which is completely ridiculous. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so anyway, it was it yeah. was fine. It was fine for five ninety nine. Entertaining and slick, yeah. Yeah, I watched the explosions and stuff and right. I couldn't tell you for a moment what happened. It eventually ended. I did like uh Robert Pattinson and I gotta say that I started as uh like his character's nothing. I don't like what yeah. he has to do it, but I just I, I increasingly enjoy seeing him. Oh yeah, and I like him too. As someone who used to make fun of him for the Twilight stuff, uh he's really proven to be um a good actor and up for lots of different mm-hmm. things working with interesting directors and not not holding out to always be like the big lead he's happy to be a small cog in an interesting thing and i like that about mm-hmm. him. anyway yeah i like him too so i've got possessor next on my list yeah i saw possessor i i don't have much to say about it on i don't have much to say about it do you not really i barely remember it this right. is uh this is yeah it's an interesting genre movie it is i believe the son of of David Cronenberg, Brandon Cronenberg, carrying on the family tradition of effed up movies and body horror and weird stuff. And it's basically about uh, assassins who get projected into the lives of other people to, to commit a crime and then pull out. And uh, there's two things going on. There's like corporate intrigue about you know who her the big corporation is having her kill and then there's the fact that this i'm speaking of the main character Gab, mm-hmm. uh, holly played by gabriel nope that's the first um, this is order of appearance that was holly in the opening scene i like the opening scene a lot who is the lead uh player in this film toss your boss oh i don't want to look it up all right yeah <clears throat> well, the, the main character <laughs> the she, protagonist yeah, the protagonist. <laughs> uh, I guess it's Andrea Riceborough is who it is, and she uh, she's basically her 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 being, herself, her soul is threadbare from doing this procedure too many times, and so she begins to she enters into the body of Christopher Abbott, and she begins to me- meld with his person, and yeah, it, you know, it's kind of a Christopher Nolan type of a uh, yeah concept but it's done in a, in a shorter more sparse kind of uh horror thriller kind of a presentation i liked it i don't know that i understood everything that was going on yeah uh, i didn't understand i and i didn't dislike it either i i thought the the only problem with it to me was that it was derivative to me the, the things that they were trying to do weren't very original story-wise yeah uh, the way they did them was interesting i thought visually it was captivating the performances were good um i wasn't too interested in in what was happening and yep. once um, the, you know, the tear between their two personas happened where she's mm-hmm. kind of stuck, et cetera, th- then I kind of lost interest because then it's just yeah, about yeah. can she escape? And uh, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, worth a watch. Weird movie. Uh, I think mostly good weird. Great cover art. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We got, I got two left. Uh, right. We got Promising Young Woman and One Night in Miami. You want to? Take yeah. us on a tour through Promising Young Woman? Yes, I'd love to. So Promising Young Woman is what film Twitter has been going off about since like March and finally got a chance to see it, you know, here in 2021. Yeah. It's meant to be like, what, a last spring release? Who knows? Yeah, I saw that trailer a long time ago. Yeah, so it's uh, written, produced, and directed by Emerald Fennel in her feature directorial debut. I th- and I think what a knockout for, for that. I would love my Absolutely. feature yeah. directorial debut to be this good. <laughs> Um, so we've got Carrie Mulligan, who whose name I know, and I know she's on the radar and an actress of renown. But before this movie, I wouldn't have been totally sure if I could pick her out in the lineup. But she is uh, the protagonist here playing Cassandra Cassie Thomas. And she is a woman who shows up at bars and pretends to be drunk late at night. And the guy who's trying to be the nice guy, oh, do you need any help? Oh, let me help you. Oh, come to my apartment, etc. And then suddenly she reveals herself as being sober. And in the beginning, it seems like a revenge horror movie that we're watching. It makes you think that, well, what's she uh, beating the shit out of these guys or even killing them? We're not sure. She seems pretty menacing. But she lives at home with her parents, who are played by Jennifer Coolidge 
and who's her dad clancy brown uh, clancy brown the great Clancy Brown. yeah yeah and they are a little worried about her because she seems like she's having some trouble leaving the nest here she's 30 she doesn't remember it's even her birthday she's so sidetracked she's working at a coffee shop alongside gail played by laverne cox who's the manager supervisor there i i loved that laverne cox was in this role and yeah. I liked what the two of them, the chemistry that the two of them had together. Um, we come to discover that uh, Cassie was a medical student years ago, and there's some kind of a trauma involving her best friend, Nina, that caused them both to drop out. She uh, dropped out also to care for Nina. And she, by chance, uh, runs back into someone from her medical class, uh, Dr. Ryan Cooper, played by Bo Burnham who uh, I guess it was, was a director too, right? He did eighth grade yeah, and stuff. Eighth grade. Yeah, um, And so they kind of have a meet cute and it seems sort of rom com between them, but Cassie's completely shut down, but slowly she opens herself up to dating Ryan and they have a, a pretty promising romance until um, things begin to unravel and uh, the story of what happened exactly when they were back in medical school is uh, shown for what it is more and more. Love to see Allison Brie as kind of the go-to suburban white mother of twins who <laughs> wants to call the manager um, in pretty much any movie she's in. But I always love to see her coming. You, you know that things aren't going to go well for her right. um, in, in a movie like this yeah. <laughs> as, a, as another uh, medical student. And bigger picture, the, the movie shows that what we've seen earlier of Cassie is not necessarily what it seemed. She's surprisingly reasonable. She is seeking to be uh, a witness of what her friend went through. Uh, she wants people to understand they're not as nice as they think they are, that um, these nice guys who we know from different you know, movie and TV comedies who are the nice boyfriend are the ones who are perpetrating this stuff. And she goes back and confronts the um, head of the medical school and it seems like she is completely off her rocker. But then when we realize what she has really done, um, that she was just saying the things she did to scare people into listening to her finally. And I was interested to learn later that uh, Cassandra is this mythic priestess who is cursed to only be able to tell the truth and only not be believed. Mm -hmm. And that is what this character is also cursed to do. So we watch... Um, things get worse and worse as we enter the third act where she's finally going to take revenge it seems against the people who hurt her friend so many years ago and we think it's going to go in one direction and boy does it go in another one yeah. and I, th I think it was a, a true and honest um ending both story-wise as well as in the larger metaphor they're creating here about uh, about um me too and people being able to tell their story of rape and assault and be believed and not just instantly written off and the degrees to which these you know promising young men will go um not to be accused and lose everything that they have um is pretty pretty horrifying and also compelling yeah dan this movie is a marvel this movie uh, I expected to have a good time, maybe a, a you know ironically good time or a yeah. dark good time, but I thought it would be unrealistic. I thought it was going to be a revenge you know, fantasy, mm -hmm. uh, maybe where someone does things that in real life would be atrocities, but in a movie, you know, like what a lot of movies set you up for that these days, and that's how a lot of movies deal with even these themes. But as you describe, her character is so there's unexpected dimension. Uh, where she's coming from is so specific. And what she's doing is not over the top movie. I mean, it's comedic and it's a movie and things are crazy. But the fact that you end up understanding her and her position beyond just men are scum and I need revenge, which would be enough to fuel a movie full of entertaining scenarios. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but what it's really about is so much more interesting. There's also uh, I, I, I just like the fact that she's not bulletproof. She's not. Mm -mm. this badass warrior she's a very troubled person she's absorbed the trauma of someone who isn't alive anymore to to bear it or to f seek justice for it so the fact that she's you know like by proxy even undertaking this weight even in molly shannon as the mother of nina yeah 
is, is basically saying you got to move on. Like, what are you doing? And right. it's so tragic. Uh, there's also a scene that I would mention with Alfred Molina. Yes. As a, as a lawyer who has, you know, has a history of getting these, these young men uh, deals, uh, getting them off basically. Uh, and I won't spoil specifically, but just the unexpected direction that scene takes his performance, her reaction, uh, amazing stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. That scene made me want to watch the whole thing again. Because they're setting you like with the way they end scenes abruptly and it makes you think that the outcome was one thing. And then you see how she responds in that scene with Alfred Molina and you realize, oh, wait, this woman is not crazy. Like, and I think that that's sort of there's a metaphor there about how people in her position. Oh, that girl's just crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, who's trying to tell these things. And right. you realize, oh, wait, no, she is right. She is completely right. And she's reasonable and she's merciful and empathetic. And she just wants to be heard and believed is all she wants. Yeah. And and to me, the movie takes a huge turn in that scene where you realize more where she's about. And I felt like I wanted to see everything that came before in light of knowing she's not crazy. Yeah, yeah. Another thing this movie does excellently well is portray men of, and specifically the kind of men that she's, that are part of this operation that she's undertaking uh, from the seemingly nice guys to the guys that she meets in the bars, to the men who are directly involved in crimes. Uh, So many of them are monstrous, but they're not just one dimensional movie monstrous. They say Mm -hmm. things that are disturbingly familiar uh, their attitudes and their justifications. Uh, there's a scene with uh, what's his name, Mince Plus McLovin. He's just an incidental role. One of the guys she meets at a mm-hmm. bar, but the, the the type of creep that he is is so specific. Uh, I don't know. It, this it doesn't let people off the hook, and yet it's not. It's less archetypal than I was expecting. It's way more specific and and real people related, which I I just really appreciated. It's fantastic. Yeah. And the, like in the, without going too much into it, but in the, the final scenes at the bachelor party, it's kind of like there hadn't been a crime yet, <laughs> you know, right. there's they're like, there's not a crime until there's a murder. <laughs> it's like, <they're, laughs> right, it, right. it's, it's feast or famine with this. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Right, right. And, and really that's, that's the same dynamic playing out all over again, mm-hmm. that to cover up what we think would be a crime, we we do a worse one. Right, right. It, the trailer really convinced me that she was going to draw blood and, and chop people up or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Um, But really, yeah, it, it, we could go round and round, I guess, about it. But it's not what it, it's not exactly what it looks like. It looked fun. It's way better. It has yeah. depth and meaning that is, uh, it's worth watching and revisiting. Yeah, I mean, who knows what will happen once the, award circuit starts but to me like if the academy will watch this screener that's Mm -hmm. like the kind of performance that wins oscars because Mm -hmm. it's it's so iconic you think of the movie you can't not think of her and she's walking a tightrope of uh tenderness and sadness and also a little bit of crazy and funny and sweet and um yeah it's just such a good performance this movie reminded me of Booksmart, not in content, but just in the sense of being a um, being a directorial debut that looks like it's going to be one thing on the surface and kind mm-hmm. of shallow and fun and ends up being so much more than what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Bo Burnham is very impressive as a, as a performer and a, a person. He was a YouTuber and a stand-up, and then he's acting and he's directing great movies of his own. I thought he was very right for the type of part that he plays in this movie. Right. I think that him being so good at that rom-com hallmarky boyfriendy mm-hmm. sort of thing where things are finally moving in a good direction, like is such a huge part of her devastating discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Because if he weren't so likable and if you didn't so want them to work right. out that, you know, you wouldn't have just been sick with the gut right. punch that she felt. That's another thing about this movie is that things like the revelation and the video on a cell phone and, you know, information that's withheld, those movies botch that stuff so often. 
yeah you know, to to try and throw you a curveball and be full of surprises that to me it felt organic in this movie it was you know everything made sense i don't know i really appreciated how this movie was put together yeah it created a lot of gray for me because like when allison brie drops off that phone mm-hmm. my first thought was like i mean i understand you keep old phones i get it i was like you kept that video on your phone even at the time. Right. That is weird. That part is weird. <laughs> That's pretty strange. And like you weren't horrified even then. I know I know that right. stuff like this happens, but you you thought you were one of the fun party gang and that that was just like a, oh, look what happens when someone gets drunk. It would have been better if it was uh, after saying how much I like how it's put together. Here I am. Yeah. suggesting, But it would have been better if it was a discovery like, oh, I didn't know we had this instead of like, Oh, I just remembered that I had this. That was, right. a, that doesn't work as well. But, and I wondered too, like, cause we're not part of the, the genius of it is that you're not seeing the video, of course. So you're really not seeing the different characters participation in it from years yeah. before, mm-hmm. because part of me wonders why was Bo Burnham so terrified just by his presence there being revealed. It seems to me that, if that were revealed, you know, some, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 years later, um, just that you were there when a crime was committed, that's not good. It doesn't look good on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but would that really destroy your whole life? I'm not sure it would. Yeah. yeah. And, and yet he was, des- he desperately believed it would. Right. And therefore he wanted to further cover it up, which or is was the problem. He, and yes. And I think, though, there's also the question is he more concerned about reputation and, and, uh, criminality, or is he more concerned with his stature in her eyes? Yeah, I, I think that there's that initial stature in her eyes, but then he's like very afraid of what she's going to do with that information mm-hmm. to the point where he's knowing that maybe <laughs> she's grazed and right. gi- giving up his his friends to her yeah. Yeah. to, to yeah. save himself. And then he lies to the police. Yeah, You, you know, like he is yeah. He is yeah. scared. Yeah. Because I feel like if I were in that situation, um, I mean, who knows what I would do if I were in that situation. But when the police come knocking and I'm not immediately at fault over what happened, I would right. probably want to be telling them the truth about what I know mm-hmm. about what she was up to if I've become if I've begun to be scared myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh one of the best I've seen this year so far. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended. Yes. It's great. We got one left, Dan. We can do it. Uh, one Night in Miami. Let me give you the rundown. This is uh, another directorial debut oh. from Regina King, of all people, from uh, a screenplay by Kemp Powers based on his stage play, One Night in Miami. This movie imagines a meeting in uh, Miami in 19, is it 64? Somewhere around there. Of Malcolm X, played by Kingsley Ben-Adir, Cassius Clay, played by Eli Gorey, Jim Brown, played by Aldous Hodge, and Sam Cooke, played by Leslie Odom Jr., of all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fascinating movie. This kind of speculative history uh, fiction, imagining people. You know, this is something that likely something like this really happened. These guys were friends and they would have been geographically, you know, uh, I don't know if this is based on a known event or is this a complete imagining? I don't know. But uh, I was a little worried at the beginning of the movie, Dan, when it kind of did the little uh, pastiche or the little, I don't know what to call them, the little. Uh, yeah, I know exactly what intro- you mean. You yeah. know what I mean? When it, we get these little scenes just intro- reminding us who this person is, showing them in their context, it felt a little bit Wikipedia-ish to me. It felt a little bit like, I don't know. Um, once we get into the meat of the of the movie, which is these four performers together uh, in a script that does admittedly feel like a play, mm-hmm. I was just so wrapped up in it. Their performances are excellent. The themes, the things they talk about, the fact that this feels like uh, it feels like the the actual voices of people telling their own story instead of somebody, you know, uh, imagining history from a particular perspective. I don't know. I felt like this was an excellent experience, uh, very kind of long, but uh, I I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I I feel like it was so much a play 
that not taking anything away from the film, it made me wish that I was seeing it as a play mm-hmm. because um, I think it was directed just fine. I get why when we're trying to make a movie, why we would do the bookends of kind of the prologue and the epilogue, because it's an opportunity to take us out of the main setting that we're going to be stuck in for the rest of the film. Um, But then it's like, suddenly we walk into that hotel room and I'm like, and it's a play. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like this probably is where the play begins right, right here, because the other stuff is extraneous um, introduction of the characters. Um, But what a cast where, when, when are you going to be able to see this cast do this play? Um, pr- probably never. And, um, it looks great. I think that, uh, Regina King did a great job, uh, with the direction. Um, I, I just think it's just so hard to film a play and, mm. and to adapt it and to make it super interesting, but the text that exists and the people delivering it and the way it looks, it's all top notch. Yeah. I, I love the characterization of these iconic dudes i admittedly have the least uh cultural reference for sam cook i know who he is i know a couple of his songs Mm -hmm. but he's not a a figure that looms tall for me he is apparently for a lot of people uh and jim brown i really just know i know him as an actor i didn't really know about his cultural you know uh prowess or, or weight back in this time um but what i liked about it was just how it let these guys be guys and uh for and how just they're not portrayed as these iconic people they're portrayed as people and so malcolm x is kind of a dork mm-hmm. he's kind of like you know he, he's he's not he's, he's got the intensity you can see that but he's also just way more vulnerable and friendly and and i don't know you you feel like he's that annoying preachy friend as opposed to being you know malcolm x Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like if he's portrayed and I realize there's a whole great film about Malcolm X that was made by Lee and all that. But I just I, I think about how a movie like this would be made by well-intentioned white people. And right. then I think about the way that it actually is. And I'm so appreciative. And right. Cactus Clay is kind of a dope. You know right. what I mean? They all have aspects of their greatness, but it the, the fact that the movie goes out of its way to put them in conflict with each other, to pick on each other, to appreciate each I don't know. I, I felt like it did an amazingly good job at rendering the relationships between the four characters. Yeah, it all seemed very real. They seemed like friends. I I I thought that there was that well laid out gut punch when Cassius Clay realizes the possibility that he's being used, <laughs> you know, and you're kind of like, Oh yeah, that might be what's happening. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and you, and you feel for him in that, in that moment. And it, it brings the complexities of the issues that they're talking about to the surface. It, and it's articulated so well, obviously where these are complex issues and the, the different, um, the different they represent the different ways this is like such a reductionist thing but like the different ways of being black the different uh lenses to view that through uh different different voices kind of arguing the upsides and the downsides of uh different different paths and journeys i I thought that was just fascinating and i liked that they sparred with each other over it it was really interesting and even the way that it 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 debated things like uh the uh why is the name escaping me the the organization that malcolm x belongs to the nation of islam i couldn't think of specific uh wording Uh, the way that it looks it's a look at that from the inside Mm -hmm. as opposed to just oh yeah these scary black guys in these suits who threaten people and are you know like the fact that they have these ideological differences and you can see what but you can see fundamentally what this means to them i don't know i really appreciated uh, I just appreciate that entertainment like this can exist from perspectives that uh, they would have previously only been available in very pre-selected perspectives, I guess. Yeah, so, that's right. Um, so, yeah, I, I I don't have too terribly much more to say about this other than that it's definitely worth watching. It was right. uh, fantastic. Boy, so many good. We've how How often do we look at a bunch of movies and most of them are, you know, two and a half, three stars? Well, tis the season now yeah. to have the the dump of awards contenders. Yeah, and I guess it's just going to continue from here. I still need to see uh, Nomadland and mm-hmm. a little list here, but um, 
anyway, Dan, I think we did it. I think we made it through. Uh, exciting times. Glad to look back. Wow. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I guess that's been our podcast. Is that it? Is that what's happening, Dan? Has this that's been? What's our- hap- this has been. It's been an hour and 13 minute podcast. Oh, wow. Is that a record? It might be a record. It's for- up there. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, folks, us, maybe a couple mm-hmm. of different people. I may actually promote this one. I think this was a live. Yeah, great, great discussion. <laughs> great content. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, thank you for listening. Indeed. We'll be back to talk about more movies and, uh, you can follow us both on Twitter or letterboxd. Uh, we have to pick one. You can't do both. I'm sorry. But why, you know, why, why, why follow me? Follow you. (laughs) (laughs) You're a fun, you're a fun follow. (laughs) How so? (laughs) I don't know. Because I never appear in your timeline. (laughs) (laughs) I just saw you there the other day. Um, Anyway, oh yeah, and if there's music playing, it's by Jonah Rapino. And uh, that's it. Thanks. Bye. Healthy boys. <laughs> I don't know why that sounds so most lascivious. <laughs> Just a couple of healthy boys reporting for. I was. I suddenly was a little bit nervous because I started using what's it called Edge instead of Chrome. Oh. And so it's like it wants to use your microphone. Oh, and allow block like all this stuff. Wow. And usually when we change anything, yeah, we have a whole host right. of problems. But it looks like we made it. We're here. It's happening. You've got. Your levels are just impressive. You got are they? Oh, thick levels. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs>